So the announced topic is um, the way up, is the way down, becoming lower than the strong street. Uh, when you look at the way up as the way down, you can take it both ways. The way up in Krishna consciousness is the path of humility. And if you're in the Krishna consciousness movement, but thinking that advancement in Krishna consciousness is something like advancement in the material world, that way up. Then you're headed down. So the spiritual life is just the opposite of the material life. In the part of the world I'm living now, right outside Washington, D.C., it's very typical uh, when you have uh, members of the military, high-ranking military, and representatives and center, senators. You can see this because if you're in America there, you know, at least if it's not the Pentagon, their offices are open to you, their representatives. And you always encounter, as soon as you go in, what some have called the wall of respect. Where this person has got a wall, and then all pictures of this person with other famous recognized persons, awards, commendations, citations for great things. In the military, if you know how to read the ribbons, they got their whole career right there, so you can look at the guy right away, see his rank and his ribbons, and know everything about him in script. So this is, uh, this is the material world, uh, where uh, the idea of humility uh, is not, it's recognized that if somebody happens to be humble, that's really great, but they struggle to do that way. I once sat next to a Nobel Prize winning scientist, and he was being introduced, and uh, and uh, his praises being sung, and he was trying very hard not to puff up. Because people literally puff up. You say somebody's puffed up. But if you glorify somebody, you tend to see that they actually puff up. Because once we were taught a book distribution technique, first you puff them up. And you go up to somebody and you'd say, say to him, you have the best looking mustache I've seen all day. Just <laughs> Peter. And then the really thing was horrible. You could out lie outrageously to people and they were eager to believe you. <laughs> and I realized this Sanctum technique was starting to make me hate the human race, so I stopped using it. But anyway, people... You know, they, 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 they want to be glorified. They, they seek it out. And it kind of looks bad if you're, except in Hollywood, if you're, if you're proud, so you know, they try to, try to hide it. But here we are cultivating humility. And if you start to become humble, you may find yourself becoming proud of your humility. <laughs> It's very insidious, <laughs> and this uh, kind of second honor pride <laughs> also has to be overcome. And then we wonder about people like Srila Prabhupada who walks to the world, at least you know, after he was somewhat successful in being glorified and praised by so many people, you know, and, and, and how did he do it? Was he really humble? How did, did he recognize his own achievement and how did he keep from getting uh, proud of uh, Biden? So we'll look at some of these things because we should learn uh, this example from Srila Prabhupada. Now, the kind of uh, most prominent place in our universe that we see uh, Humility uh, put down as a condition for our advancement in Krishna consciousness is the Shastika prayers, where we're told, Trinata, Pisa, Nishinata, 
one should think himself like straw. Trina. You know, Trinavarta, the demon that carries the straw, who knows that Trina is like, like just the most worthless thing in the world, dried grass or straw or a blade of grass. Prinadapi, Sudhichina, more lower even than the straw on the street. And then with forbearance, like a tree. When somebody comes up and says, you idiot! You know, this happens in traffic situations all the time. So, <laughs> you idiot, did you see that stop And you're ready to scream right back. <laughs> so, so uh, you're supposed to, even though you're being mistreated or assaulted like the tree, you just put up with it. And actually you give the tree the example is that the, the woodsman comes to cut down the tree. First, he takes some fruit and has a little snack. And the tree gives him his fruit. Then he takes a nap under the shade provided by the tree and cuts it down the tree. The tree doesn't protest. This is called forbearance. Uh, not to be disturbed, even when there's every reason to be disturbed. Not expecting any uh, uh, respect from others, for yourself, but willing to give it to everyone else. Then, Kirtaniya Sadahari, in that condition, it is possible to always chant. This is the state of becoming nishta, fixed. Prabhupada always used this phrase, we should become fixed up in Krishna consciousness. So this is this this stage of becoming. It's not very advanced to, in the line of Shishastra to take us all the way from the uh, initial shraddha all the way to prema. Uh, uh, but uh, nishta is not very advanced. But actually, nishta means fixed. It means that once one gets this far, very rarely do they ever fall back in the mind. So it's, it's it's, it's, it's an, an accomplishment. So that's where this uh, 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 comes from. Now, uh, I, th I think, we'll go back to the Shishastaka, but I, I think I'll tell you my, my own experience. I spoke about this. Um, just, just that you can understand that uh, there's something that's it's built into the process of Krishna consciousness, uh, this advancement in, in humility. Now, it is a certain, as I was one of the people that joined the movement in the early days, and an advanced devotee, a senior devotee, was somebody who joined two years before I did. <laughs> so, so nobody actually had very much practical experience. And it's amazing, Father gave us certain things. And because the movement was spreading faster, he let it go. He didn't wait and say, well, hold back, wait until you're married. He let it go. That was his decision. And so that had a downside sometimes because we had temple presidents that didn't know much and, uh, and so on. So, uh, we learned to sit down every day and chant our job. And it was kind of something to get through so you could go out on Sankirtan, which was the real thing. Uh, 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 and, and those of us that are Americans, uh, the business of America is business. You know, I mean, getting out and doing something, make, making some money, that's more important. Sitting in one place and chanting the same names over and over again, that is almost anti-American. <laughs> but we did it because we were told to. And it was just something you had to do. You know, some faith was there. Well, at a, at a certain point, um, I began to understand a little bit uh, about, about trying to really pay attention to the Holy Name and, and, and try, to, try to fix my mind on the Holy Name and, and, and keep my attention from wandering. I, should really, I realized how much my mind wanted to somehow go somewhere else. And, 
And so I, 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 I started really working on concentrating my mind on the Holy Name when my attention would wander and I'd notice it. That sometimes take a while to bring it back. So I was doing like this for a while. And then I noticed that sometimes my mind was going away, not because I was thinking of something else, but as I chanted, I was beginning to feel a certain kind of mental unease or, or discomfort. And, and that was making me think of something else, kind of get rid of that unease or discomfort. And, and I didn't know what to make of this. And there was really nobody I could ask about it. So, uh, and it persisted. So I, I just decided, let me, let me just put up with it. You know, I'll just endure it. Um, um, and and I, I had the suspicion that nobody else had this problem. So I, did, I decided I, I'd, I'd just sit there and I, I would, I would you know, put up with it and see what happened. And it kind of got worse. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll just endure it. And I'll just chant and fix my mind on the holy name and just ignore it. And after about, I don't know, a week or two like this, uh, one day all of a sudden it just increased. And then uh, it, 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 it turned into a raging fountain of grief. I mean, I just overwhelming. It, 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 was, it was so strong and, and so heavy. And it, 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 when it came up, it had a feeling it was always there, kind of under pressure. And, and now it was coming out and manifesting. I mean, Seems a little contradictory to have feelings that you're not conscious of, but psychology says it's there sometimes. So, and I figured it was always there that I wasn't really aware of, and it. it came up. It was this huge fountain of, of grief, and, and uh, uh, I knew right away what it was, what I was grieving, that I had turned away from Krishna and had come to the material world. And to me, that, I saw it as a unforgivable crime. And this was always there. I didn't think anybody else went through this in our movement. I didn't tell my wife about it. I was embarrassed and ashamed, actually. I, I kept it to myself. And... and uh, but in some ways it felt good that it was out there, you know, I mean, uh, 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 and, and my suspicion was that I was kind of an anomaly, you know, that uh, these other people were devotees, and I was like maybe some kind of demon or somebody who had come into the movement and didn't really belong. And so, because no, our slogan was, chant and be happy. <laughs> No one ever said chant and feel grief. <laughs> it's not a selling point. <laughs> so, so, but but very quickly, then I then I recognize something else. I I'm feeling this grief because I'm chanting Hare Krishna. It was there all along somehow or other and I wasn't as conscious of it. It must have been affecting me in different ways that I wasn't aware of. But, but I was feeling this because I was chanting Hare Krishna. How was I able to chant Hare Krishna? Well, because Prabhupada had come to America and, and brought the holy name. And then I realized that Although I had turned away from Krishna, Krishna had not turned away from me. 
And then I felt so much gratitude, because of course we all understood the difficulty that Srila Prabhupada went through, and then what Bhakti Siddhanta went through, all these men, Bhakti Vinotaku, all these acharyas had done, basically to do what? To bring the Hare Krishna Mahamantra to people like me. And they were doing it on the order of Krishna. So that Krishna cared for me. I saw myself as utterly worthless. I had just, you know, Krishna was so wonderful and so perfect and somehow or other I had like turned my back on him. And that seemed like an unforgivable crime. And, but Krishna hadn't turned away from me. That is to say, Krishna saw some value in me and he wanted me. And that was just sheer mercy. So this is the experience I had uh, uh, with Chandra. Something I was never led to expect uh, and something I kept very quiet about until the year 2000. <laughs> uh, that, that year I was the chairman of the GBC and I agreed to be chairman of the GBC even though nobody wants to be chairman, by the way. It's not like, uh, I agreed to be chairman, uh, persuaded to do so, even though I knew it was going to be a very rough year for our movement. And I decided that that I was that Kartika, I would go to Vrindavan and I, I would chant 64 rounds a day. And maybe that would help the movement out. I tried to get the whole GBC to do it, but that was, it didn't work out. But anyway, I thought I'd do it. So I was doing, and Krishna made all facility for the nice place, and you know, it was great. Next to Govardhana Hill, you know, fantastic. Okay. So I started doing the, the Vrata, 64 rounds a day, and, and, and uh, goodness, everything was perfect. It, it, was, it was really nice. And then um, while I was chanting, I started to to do a couple of things. One of one of them I found in a bookstore this little book uh, by uh, uh, this Shushastika uh, prayer uh, with the commentary of Bhaktivinotaku and uh, some additional mantra Bhakti Siddhanta. So I started to again study the Shushastika. We chanted it every day in, 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 in the temple. And the purport of the Shushastika prayers was go out there and distribute those books. Um, <laughs> And, but then, then you know, I, I, I looked at this, and again, I looked at the, the last chapter of the Chaitanya And I saw it for the first time. I'd read it before, but now I really, really saw it. And, and in that last chapter, Mahaprabhu um, uh, is, together with Ramananda Roy and Swarup Damodar, his two most confidential associates, and he's reciting these prayers in sequence to them. But as I studied this chapter and looked at, looked at this, these verses and the commentary Bhaktivantakura, I noticed that that um, there's you know the, the Sanskrit verse is there, and then the same idea is repeated in Bengali. And then the narration also tells you what Mahaprabhu was um, feeling as he chanted these. Let me get it here. Yeah. So um, then I noticed in the second of the Shishastika prayers. A very amazing thing happened, happened there. Um, this the, the second prayer of the Shishasaka, you know, the, the Shishasaka was this kind of really glorious fanfare uh, of a, a very poetic verse describing really the progress that one makes when one cultivates the whole thing. Uh, and, and it's it's about trauma. It's, it's like this from this. It's, it's about having faith in the holy name that these are the benedictions that will come to you. 
Chaita Dharma Namarjanam, first benediction, Baba Mahadavaginirvafanam, second benediction. You know, it's like really a triumphal verse, you know, when, when Sankirtan is victorious. And by the way, the word Sankirtan, as explained by Bhaktivinotakur, means that when chanting is done completely, doesn't just mean congregational chanting, but also it means that when chanting is done perfectly and completely, San is another meaning of San. And when it when it's victorious, Brahma Vijayate, Sri Krishna is victorious, then these benedictions and sequence will take place one after the other. It's a great verse. And, and, and then the next verse, Nam Namakari Mahuda Vijasarvashaktis. You, uh, you have given so many names, and in each of those names, you've endowed, filled them with your spiritual potencies, and you've made them easy to chant without uh, considerations of time and, 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 and uh, rules and regulations. This is your mercy. And then, Mama Durdaiva, but my misfortune. I mean, there's a contrast in this verse. Your mercy, my misfortune. Right? Your mercy and my misfortune. Tavukripa Bhagavan, Mamabi Durdaiva. Durdaiva means bad luck. <laughs> you can say <laughs> misfortune, you know. Idvisham Ihajaninagra. I have no attraction for chanting. He says, this is, and, and, and so I was reading this verse, and then I noticed that the verse before this describes Lord Chaitanya's feelings. It says, lamentation and humility awoke, and that's this word here, vishada, uh, lamentation and dainya, humility. And I saw that lamentation, I thought, my God, it's bonafide. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's, that's how he's this. This lamentation is there. And then the second thing that goes along with it is humility, dhanya. Uh, and then from this verse, you can see the third verse, trinada pisunichena. And it says there, then there's more dhanya. And if you go through and look at these shishastra prayers, dhanya keeps increasing, humility keeps increasing as he goes on. Now another th thing that I learned from this book that was, that was pretty nice is a, a remark by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Because people think that, well, you know, look, how can I be humble? I, I, I even was listening to a tape of Prabhupada on a morning walk and you heard some devotee ask him, Prabhupada, how can I become humble? And you can sort of hear from his voice, how can I, with my good looks, my education, my <laughs> skills, think myself in the artificial and unnatural position of humility? You know? <laughs> I mean, that was a sort of inference I got from that anyway. So, so, uh, so, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, just expand a little bit, He's, he says, if you look at us, if you think of the, the state of the jiva, the body that is most appropriate to the jiva is that of a blade of grass. So when you think of it, a jiva is one ten thousandth the tip of a hair in size, right? Like very, very tiny. So then just think of all the jivas without their different bodily color coverings just sort of all together packed up somewhere and just stretching out in front of you. The thing that we would most resemble and they're all of us together would be a lawn of grass. You know? Every living entity, the humans, everybody, all the jivas are all the same. You know, big and little, they're all like, that's what we look like. So that actually, it's not artificial. That's the that's the body that is actually most appropriate to our basic condition of being one ten thousand tip of a hair in size. Sadhguru said that's one quarter of an angstrom unit, if you like, uh, which is not even detectable by modern devices. So, so he said it's natural that we should think of ourselves that way. Uh, uh, 
It's not artificial at all. And of course, uh, everything that, if, if, if you look at our condition in the material world, we may have various things in this body that, that may be good or admirable or people like, and we think it's great, but we're gonna shuffle it off sooner or later. And it's going to be taken away, and we could end up with a, you know, anybody, be anybody, with anybody, you know, so, so it's nothing that really is even under our control so much. You know, we do good karma, but that takes, and that's temporary, you know, so, uh, so humility is actually quite, quite appropriate uh, uh, for our position. And, and of course, it comes from forgetting Krishna. Uh, uh, because, because if you want to know who's really great and admirable, it's Krishna. He's constituted as the Lord, and we're constituted as the, the servants. So this, this, this humility, uh, which by the way I, I have to uh, say is not the same thing as low self-esteem. Uh, low self-esteem, as far as I can understand, is another form of false ego. You feel yourself humble and you can't stand it. And then you're on your case all the time. It's a kind of protest against this. Whereas real humility is realism. That's all. With the blades of grasses is just realism. Uh, and, and, and we should come to terms with realism. And our natural condition is that we are the servant of Krishna. Uh, uh, and that's, that's our, Prabhupada uses the word constitutional position. We start acting on it, and then we start to grow uh, closer to closer to Krishna. Remember, Krishna, we're here, we're all in the prison house uh, of, the, uh, of the kingdom of God. Then Krishna does want us back. And we have seen that, that, that he's willing to move heaven and earth to get us back. So you, you can't say, I am not desired by Krishna. That's, that's his greatness. If you, if you have low self-esteem, you know, nobody loves me. That's, we don't have that excuse. Krishna loves us. I may not see any good in me, but Krishna sees something I don't see. And if that's what he wants to see, I have to say, that's your judgment. I'm not, I'm not in a position to say, you know. Uh, so he sees something in us, and if we enter into a relationship, he will bring it out. We can't bring it out ourselves. But if the relationship with Krishna is there, we will manifest what we truly are in relationship to Krishna. And Krishna wants us. Very clear what we see from Srila Prabhupada and, and others. And, and therefore, the, the path of advancement in Krishna consciousness, if you look through the Shishastika prayers, we don't have to do it now, but if you go through, you'll see that there's Dainya, and then the next prayer is Ati Dainya, really humility, <laughs> and it's there all along. And actually, humility turns out to be retained and it becomes one of the components of rasa. Rasa is a combination of various things together and the vyavachari bhavas, uh, the things that come and go sometimes, uh, uh, these, uh, one of them is humility. It's, it, 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 it's a form of fear, I'll show Yeah. Uh, Prabhupada writes, uh, well, here, here it, it is uh, describing Lord Chaitanya. Uh, in, uh, it's in uh, Majjhat uh, 235, the chapter is called The Ecstatic Manifestations of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, 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 the verse says, uh, lamenting in this way, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu opened the doors of grief within his heart, morose, humble, and disappointed. This is ecstasy, right? 
and is described as morose, humble, and disappointed. <laughs> he recited a verse again and again with a despondent heart. And uh, Prabhupada writes in the purport, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the word dainya, humility, is explained as follows. When unhappiness, fearfulness, and the sense of having offended combined, one feels condemned. This sense of condemnation is described here as dina ta, humility. You take dina, which means humble, you add a ta at the end, becomes humility. It's the equivalent to the English N-E-S-S, ta or twa. Uh, uh, the word niveda, that was another word that's used here uh, in, the, uh, in, in this verse. Uh, nirveda is disappointment, and then vishada is grief or lamentation. He says the word, uh, um, the word nirveda is also explained in the Bhagavad Sindhu. One may feel unhappiness and separation, as well as jealousy and lamentation due to not discharging one's duties. The despondency that results is called nirveda. When one is captured by this despondency, thoughts, tears, loss of bodily luster, humility, and heavy breathing result. Vishada, lamentation, is also explained in the Bhagavad-gita When one fails to achieve his desired goal of life and repents for all his offenses, there's a state of regret called Vishada. Anyway, so it goes on and mentions these things uh, with these Vyamacharya Bhavas. They're bhavas, they're constitutes, constitutions of rastasy, they're constitution of ecstasy. But you see at the, at, at the end uh, of the Shashastika prayer, there's love for Krishna and separation, and that sounds like something maybe you wouldn't want, but it's, it's the intensity of feeling that's there, there's a relationship with Krishna, and that love for Krishna, it, it just, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you, 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 you eat some food that has a really hot spice in it, and that might be just by all by itself, it wouldn't be very tasty, but if it's in combination with everything else, it really helps, or maybe something super sweet, you know, so these are, these are the, the, the components that uh, bring one very, very close uh, uh, to Krishna, this humility. Uh, and, and that, so that's in, in the later stages. But as far as making advancement in Krishna consciousness, this is, is uh, uh, built into the process, uh, this humility. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and we just have to remember that our whole movement got kind of messed up by people sometimes treating this, you know, yeah, now I'm going to become a temple president, and then I'll become a regional secretary, and then I'll become a GBC, and then I'll take sannyas, and then I'll become a group, you know, GBC, all this stuff. People were on that career track position as though we were IBM or, or someplace like that. Uh, we don't have to worry about our careers in Krishna consciousness. We just have to worry about taking advancement. We take our circumstances we are in now. We cultivate the holy name. We, and, we, and if we're serious about advancing in Krishna consciousness, Krishna will always let us know. He's in our heart. He wants us back. He's sending us messages all the time. And a lot of times we're too busy watching Masterpiece Theater or something. Or to pay attention to him. So if we pay attention to what Krishna wants us to do, He'll let us know. And, and our job is just to take the next step. All we have to know is the next step I need to make for my advancement in Krishna consciousness. I'll take it. And then the next step will follow. And whatever we need to make advancement will be there for us. And it may be something we never thought, we didn't expect, we didn't know, but it will be there. Uh, you can be guaranteed. So our career, Krishna will manage it. He really will. Uh, but we just have to let Krishna know that I, I am yours and I, I do what, what uh, uh, you tell me to do. You know, he may, he may give us some indication and we don't want to do it. Prabhupada said, you know, 
At one point, I was horrified. The spiritual master was appearing to him in dreams and telling him to take sannyasa. Prabhupada said, I was horrified. Another thing I want to discuss a little bit is Srila is, uh, Prabhupada's humility. Uh, because uh, he's expressed it on occasions. Uh, and uh, I have a few in this, in this book. Uh, this one here. We have some copies here of the, of, uh, the founder of Charya uh, of Iskot. Um, uh, uh, I'm just reading from page uh, 77. Uh, it's notable that Sri Prabhupada was able to recognize his own achievement and accept the honors that probably belong to it without a tinge of pride. It is evident that at a certain time, Srila Prabhupada realized that in spite of all impediments, he would be able to execute his spiritual master's order. He recognized that he had been empowered. Again, being empowered is, empowered. This means that somebody's giving me something. And the attention is on who did the empowering rather than made it available. It is a natural characteristic of spiritual psychology, observable in great devotees and saints, that the experience of empowerment is inevitably accompanied by experience of extreme humility. And the more empowerment bears fruit, the further humility increases. This compact blend of great accomplishment and great humility is beyond the scope of experience of ordinary materialistic persons. They cannot begin to imagine it. When visible success began to attend upon Srila Prabhupada's efforts, he discounted his own effort, gave credit to others, and was filled with gratitude. On several memorable occasions, he disclosed his mind in public addresses. For example, speaking to his disciples gathered in London <coughs> to celebrate Sri Vyasa Puja on August 22nd, 1973, Srila Prabhupada said, anyone who is connected with our movement is not an ordinary living being. Actually, he's a liberated soul. And I am very much hopeful that my disciples who are now participating today, even if I die, my movement will not stop. I am very much hopeful. The Prabhupada was always saying, I'm an old man, and any moment I can die, and he was conscious of that. And he had heart attack, stroke, you know, he had some of these kind of indications. My Guru Maharaj, his divine grace, Bhaktisiddhanta says when he was Swami Prabhupada, he also attempted to send his disciples to preach Taitanya cult from Western world. First meeting, perhaps you know, I'm leaving little bits out of the address. Perhaps you know, he asked me to preach. So at that time I was a young man, or 25 years old, and I was also a householder. So I should have joined and executed his desire immediately. But due to my ill luck, I could not immediately execute his order. But it was in my heart that it is to be done. So, better late than never. I executed his order at the age of 70 years, not at the age of 25. So actually, I wasted so much time. I mean, it's probably in a public address to his disciples. You know, it's not like a small crowd. I can understand that. The message was there when I was 25 years old. But I began at the age of 70 years. But I did not forget the message. Otherwise, how could I do? That was, that is a fact. I was simply finding out the opportunity how to do it. So anyway, though I began very early, at the age of 70 years, so with the help of my disciples, this movement is gaining ground and is spreading all over the world. So, therefore, 
I have to thank you. It is all due to you. It is not my credit, but it is your credit that you are helping me in executing the honors of my Lady Maharaj. And then, later that year, same year in Los Angeles, he expressed similar thoughts. And here, in this one, he actually began to cry. So he's explaining, uh, this is the disappearance day of Bhakti Siddhartha Saraswati, always an emotional day. Uh, so in this way, gradually, I became attached to these Gaudiya Mat activities. And by the grace of Krishna, my business also was not going well. <laughs> the grace of Krishna. Yes, Krishna says, Yasyaham Anubrinami if somebody wants to be actually devotee of Krishna at the same time keeps his material attachment then Krishna's business is he takes away everything material so that cent percent he becomes I mean to say dependent on Krishna so that actually happened in my life I was obliged to come to this movement to take it up very seriously and I was dreaming and I was dreaming that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is calling me. Please come out with me. So I was sometimes horrified. Oh, what is this? I have to give up my family. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is calling me. I have to take Siddhanta. Oh, I was horrified. But I saw several times calling me. So anyway, as by his grace, I was forced to give up my family life, my so-called business life, and, brought, and he brought me some way or other in preaching his gospel. So this is a memorable day. What he desired, I am trying a little bit, and you are all helping me, so I have to thank you more. You are actually representatives of my Guru Maharaj. This is where he begins to break down and cry, you can hear on the tape. Because you are helping me and executing the honor of my Guru Maharaj. And he couldn't finish speaking. I was like, that's what happened. So that's Srila Prabhupada's uh, uh, humility himself. So while he was honored all over, surrounded by people who were praising him and glorifying him, sitting on big seats, all this, uh, you saw that. Uh, way that his humility was manifest. We still have a little time now. I guess I should stop there and uh, see if any of you have questions or comments. Is there another mic to pass here? Thank you. Hare Krishna Prabhu, excellent class. Prabhu, could you please elaborate uh, how low esteem is policy uh, low? And low self-esteem, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, uh, people sometimes have that. They get put down by other people all the time, you know, and, and they develop low self-esteem. Sometimes it says your parents don't do it right, you know, and they're always degrading you and putting you down. In social circumstances, uh, caste or race or something, you, you may be looked down upon. Uh, and, and so you, you think of yourself very, very low. But you don't accept it. It's a, it, unjust. Uh, you don't accept it. And, and, and a lot of times, uh, uh, but, but you resent it. And, and you resent it because you really want to be a big deal. And, and what goes along with that uh, idea is uh, there's a kind of uh, secret pride behind it, you know, that I want to be a big deal. People with low self-esteem, if they finally get in a big position, they do the same thing to other people that was done to them. Uh, 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 the, uh, yeah, this, uh, uh, this is sometimes called resentment, you know, where you, there's some oppressor or a greater person uh, and uh, you resent them having that position, but what it really means is you just want it for yourself. So it's a form of envy. And as soon as you get that position, you turn into what you hate. There was a famous slave rebellion in Haiti, 
uh, one of the first ones in the Western, Western Hemisphere, the slave rebellion. And as soon as the, the slaves uh, took over and ousted the masters, they turned into the masters and got everybody else as slaves. This is, that, that's all based on false ego. So actually humility is, is very different. It's, it, it's, I accept it. I don't resent it. I'm not envious of Krishna that he, because a lot of people, you know, yeah, I want to be God. You know, the material world, what people have is, is a God project. Let me become great. They're like Ravana who wants to take Sita. Why does Ravana want to take Sita? Because he wants to be Ramchandra. So Sita means wealth. Sita means she's the goddess of fortune. They want to be the enjoyer and controllers of material nature. That's a God project. Uh, and and uh, uh, this, is, this is what the world is made of. We, we, are free, we should be free from the God project in big ways or little ways. Because sometimes, you know, they're very big. I am the Lord of all I survey. But, 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 but in the office, there's the sub, 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 sub secretary that has one thing, the key to the supply closet. And if you want paper and pencils and typewriter ribbons or whatever is there, you know, you got to go and offer your obeisances. <laughs> but we should become free from that whole complex of, 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 of things. Uh, that, that's humility. Okay. Uh, a couple of comments to share. <clears throat> I remember exactly what year it was. I think it was 1971. So Prabhupada wrote two letters in like May and July. One was to a good director guru, another was to Amsterdam And he made a statement in both letters that now we have enough temples, now we have enough devotees. It's time to boil the milk. To we have to put our energy in, into making the devotees that we have more strong, more concentrated, more fixed up. He said the danger is that if we dilute the thing too much, it will cease to resemble, cease to be its original form. I remember the boiling the milk. And I remember that people were completely baffled with exactly what we should do to do that. <laughs> uh, another comment I want to make. Uh, you mentioned Ravana. Um, so Prabhupada always spoke poorly of democracies. Mm -hmm. And when, when you consider one of Ravana's projects, he wanted to build a stairway to the heavenly planet so that anybody and everybody could attain the heavenly planets without having to undergo any type of Highest activities or austerities. Or sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, or sacrifice. And so if he was running a democracy, it would have been, yeah, Robin, and who I'm wrong. Anyone else? You mentioned in the about be careful about your humility. They can become insidious. Can you say that? What did I say? You know, we think ourselves humble, so then that can also be a way of, you know... Yeah, I'm proud of my humility, you mean? <laughs> what? Becoming proud of one's humility? Well, just watch out, there's a second order of pride, you know, that you can think... Uh, uh, the, the, real, the realism is that we are all, if we have any good qualities, we have to attribute it to somebody else's mercy. And therefore, we should be grateful and, and, and to those people. And, and, and even Srila Prabhupada, you saw, he saw that the disciples that helped him, they deserved the credit, and they were sent by his spiritual master. And that's why he completely didn't take any credit for it. All I did was show up, belatedly. And because I did this little thing, my spiritual master... By the way, about Prabhupada's waiting so many years, I have to say, on the other side of the coin, Krishna's in charge of timing. Mm -hmm. 
Prabhupada came at the right time. And I think sometimes Krishna just had to keep him on ice for a little while. <laughs> Until the Grateful Dead had been there first. <laughs> All right, very Krishna. Um, so about your definition of uh, being uh, humble, you said it's like it's to be realistic. Uh, that, that's what it means to be humble. And uh, that's the way I think about it as well. And uh, I also think about you know, Prabhupada and what he said about himself. Sometimes Prabhupada made certain statements about himself which make him seem to be something other than what we consider him to be. And one such example was in uh, Germany where he was sitting in the Vyasasana giving a lecture and somebody said, well, you must think yourself to be really great if you're sitting up there um, you know, in doing this. And Prabhupada thought about it and said, no, actually, you know, I'm just a fifth class person because I, I serve everybody. So my question is, was Prabhupada, was he realistic uh, when he said that? Is, is that true? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. He serves everybody. He was being realistic. Uh, sometimes Prabhupada would acknowledge his, his position. Now, first of all, he, he, he had to teach his disciples how to honor and respect the Guru and to teach us how to be humble by honoring him. He, had, you know, he didn't have other god brothers with him or anything like that. So, so he did, did what seems like contradictory things sometimes, but his real underlying and his real nature was humility. Let me just tell one quick story um, that I saw with Prabhupada. We were seeing him off at the LaGuardia airport. It was always nicer to see Prabhupada. Seeing Prabhupada off was, had special features because when he came, it was big ceremonies, we did Guru Puja, reporters came, but when he left, it was more intimate. So I was with a bunch of devotees in New York, we were, uh, seeing him off in LaGuardia Airport. And, and of course, in those days, you could go everywhere in the, in the airport. So we were, the, the Prabhupada sat down in the, in the passenger waiting area, and, and we just fought, piled in with him. People were sitting next to him, and there was a very intimate, kind of informal conversation going on with Prabhupada. People wanted to hear it, and, and uh, we're all, you know, Prabhupada was sitting there and talking to the people around him and we're standing around. I was on the outside and then I noticed that the gate agents for the airlines were a little disturbed because there were other passengers going to go on the plane and none of them could get into the boarding area. And so, and, and, and so I saw this gate agent trying to like grab people, you know, to get them to move out so the other passengers, they just shrugged them off and, you know, looked at Prabhupada. And then I, then the guy came up to me and said, can you help me, you know, do something about this? And I tried. I couldn't get anybody. So I saw that our GBC was Rupanuga at the time. And I got his attention. And he saw what the problem was. And nobody would pay attention to him either because he was, even though he was a GBC. So finally Rupanuga did this. He, he, he got up on one of these little tables that was on the end of the road chairs, so he leaned over everybody, and he made his hands like this, you know, and he, he says, all devotees, get out, leave their boarding area at once, he said, and people looked up, I saw their faces, you know, they were so angry at him, and horrified, and paralyzed, you know, and before anybody else could move, Prabhupada was getting up and walking out. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert Nuga laughs, it's not you, Jennifer. <laughs> anyway, that's, that was just his immediate, just to do what he was told. <laughs> yeah, you have the mic. I feel strange to ask this question after your nice commentary. But, um,. In memory of my mother in this community on Mother's Day, I want to say thank you for being one of her dearest kind brothers for so many years. And as a child of, from the beginning of the Hare Krishna movement, Japa has never been one of our easy addictions. I love chanting, but not so much in the form of Japa. So I really appreciate your meditation of going to Govardhan.
And I just wanted to ask you if you would speak a little bit more about how many hours did it take to chant 64 rounds a day? Did you lose your voice? What was it like to physically go through 64 rounds every day? Well, uh, I had a nice system. I mean, I really had a support system that made, made it easy. And uh, uh, I had a simple schedule. Uh, I, I, got, I got up very early in the morning at 3 o'clock. And, and uh, before Mangalarti, I chanted 16 rounds. And, and then uh, I, I, I went to. Uh, I went to Mangalarti in Tulsi Puja, and that was the morning program for me. Just simplified, just Mangalarti in Tulsi Puja. Uh, and then I, I, we were right at the, where that Bhaktivedanta Sadha Ashram, and there was this tower, like one of these sort of moon viewing towers. And went up, I'd sit up there and I faced over down hill, and I chanted another 16 rounds. Well, the sun came up behind me and go around the came out of, out of the darkness, you know. Uh, so that was, uh, that was, so before breakfast I had, you know, uh, uh, 32 rounds done. And then I think I had a little bit of fruit for, uh, for breakfast. Uh, and, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, I think by lunchtime, or maybe an hour after, and I'm really good cook, by the way. I mean, fantastic cook, and, and nice, simple, you know, kartikavata kind of kind of prasada. Uh, so, so by 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 two o'clock in the afternoon, I think I was, I was maybe I had a few little rounds left over. I was generally finished. And because I was chairman of the GBC, I had to leave a little, a little time for politics and, uh, <laughs> and uh, talk to people. And you know, Jai Dwighter was in the neighborhood and we would sit and talk. And you know, so was I, some good associations. So. so it was perfect conditions for somebody like me. And that's what I did. And were you reading Shushastakam every day? How were you reading? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was really studying Shushastakam. Uh, and it was like I'd never seen the book. I mean, we, we you know, the, the Chaitanya Charitamrita had been out for out for a while in, in Prabhupada's time, uh, and I just read it much more carefully than than, than, than I had before. And, and I, you know, this book has got a lot of typos and things like that, but it's it's still a. Is this Prabhupada's translation? This is not. No, no. This is uh, this is a translation by Sarvabhavana. Uh, I just found it on the bookshelf stall and picked it up, you know, <laughs> and, and, and then discovered it was uh, this uh, this Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Samudana Bhasha, his commentary on it, and I just found it really, really helpful. And uh, yeah, I, I really then then I've done some other things about shopping. One thing I did. As I studied this, this is a little later, I started memorizing the Shishastika, why am I memorizing it? Then I memorized it well enough that just by chanting the Sanskrit, I could understand the meaning. I didn't have to, you know, say the Sanskrit, didn't say the English, I kind of could. They're pretty simple prayers, and a little bit of grammar, and you can help you. Can. So I memorized it, so just by saying them, uh, uh, I, I could understand the meaning. Because, because the other thing that, that Bhaktivedanta Thakur points out, not in this book, but in another book, Vajra Rasya, he says that the, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra consists of eight pairs of names. The first pair indicates the first verse of Shishastra, the second, the second verse, you know. So, so that each pair of names indicates one verse of the Shishastra prayers. So I memorized it well enough that by saying, Hare Krishna, I could also flash in my mind that whole first prayer. The second Hare Krishna is the second prayer. So at least when I, sometimes before I would chant, I would recite the Shishastra prayers in my mind, and at least the first few rounds I would have them sort of accompanying them. Thinking about the Shishastra prayers in that way didn't divert my mind from the Holy Name. Uh, 
Yeah, it, well, it, 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 it's, it, it's kind of, you know, once, once I really felt connected with, with, with an acceptance through the Prabhupada's mercy and was reconciled to the fact that I was a fallen soul and, you know, probably guilty of innumerable crimes that I don't remember. I know the ones from this slide. But uh, uh, once I, I, agreed, I agreed to that, um, uh, that, that, uh, that, yeah, it, it transmutes into something that's not like material grief. Because there's too much gratitude now for the, for the fact that, that I'm able to be a devotee and I'm thankful for all, all the things uh, and, and, uh, that, that I will hear. It's nice to think that the word Krishna Krishna relates to Trinadhi Singh Trinadhi. It's nice to think that the word Krishna Krishna the phrase Krishna Krishna uh -huh. relates to Trinata Krishna. It does, uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's such a beautiful image that you get for Japan. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Guru. This was really wonderful. And I wanted to thank you for sharing that intimate experience you had in the Holy Name. I was curious if we should expect a similar thing, if that's um, one of the walls on everyone's path of bhakti, or if you experience that to be your personal journey towards Krishna, that overwhelming sense of grief. I can't say that everybody has to go through, we're all different with different backgrounds, and, and uh, all, all I can say is with, with cultivating the holy name, we have to chant the holy name while on the clearing stage. The clearing stage means that I, I whenever my mind wanders, I bring it back, because Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, tells us that that, that uh, the the one in Artha, this is Maharanam Chintana, the, the one in Artha, from which all the Anartha spring is inattentiveness while chanting. And this is the root of all of them. So while you're chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, inattentiveness is the one we have to deal with. When the mind wanders, you bring it back. That, at least, is Namabhasa. It's not the pure name, but if you're trying to chant, and your mind goes, you bring it back, then, then that, that dawning twilight of the holy name, Lord Chaitanya, well, Namacharya Thakur Hardas says, it's in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that dawning twilight of the holy name destroys all sinful reactions and brings one to the platform of liberation. If the Shudanam is there, then uh, there is uh, Krishna Prima. So within our power is just to sit down, it's a simple arena, like, like a boxing ring or something, you know. There's just you, the holy name, and your mind. And then deal with it. You know? <laughs> the mind is not a Vaishnava. Uh, you know, a lot of the bad feelings that I have about myself are really not about me, but about my mind. I'm a devotee. My mind is not. The mind and the mind we've carried with us. You know, it's come with us when we transmigrate. So God knows what we did to get the mind we have. You know, you, the mind, you have to take the mind and put the mind in front of the holy name and let it get irradiated by the holy name until the mind becomes converted. You're a devotee, the mind is not. You know, deal with it. The mind, when, the mind is your enemy. When the mind is finally converted or conquered, the mind is your friend. Then the mind gets rid of the habits of sense gratification and false ego and just has the habits of Krishna consciousness. This is in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. So dealing with the mind. So that's what Japa is. And the beginning is very mechanical. You know, the mind wanted you bring it back. The mind wanted you bring it back. But what we're doing is you're proving to Krishna that you want a relationship. 
just that. Just, it's, it, to me, it's not mechanical then. It's about, Krishna, I want a relationship with you. I've broken it. It's my fault. Please help me. And so it's a prayer. It's a prayer for asking Krishna to enjoy your relationship. And so you're beginning to establish that relationship with Krishna. You, know, you have to show him that you're really interested, so you've got to you know, be there. <laughs>